Chapter Seven of Quintus Oaks, a Detective Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Quintus Oaks, a Detective Story, by Charles Ross Jackson. Chapter Seven, The Inquest. At the suggestion of Oakes, we mingled with the crowd for a short time, and then returned to the town with some of the hotel employees, leaving the others in their excitement to await the action of the authorities. This man, Winthrop Mark, seems to have been very well known, Oakes inquired of the hotel porter by his side. The latter, anxious to identify himself with the town and its people, and also to please the stranger beside him who had made himself so prominent during the last few moments gave much information yes mr clark the murderer man has lived hereabouts for a long time his brother owns the mark mansion over yonder the town has been very proud of it you know yes a beautiful old place it is sir but no place to live in there has been something dangerous about it sir seems to me i heard something of it when i was last in mona said oakes did you have any experience sir experience what do you mean i do not know sir but it always appears something that scares people hurts the town doesn't it yes indeed sir and this murder will spoil everything here now I cannot quite follow you. Oh, sir, you don't know how good Mr. Mark was, always improving the roads, always giving the town money, forever clearing up jealousies, said the porter. Oakes looked at him. Say, my man, how long have you been a porter? You don't speak like a man brought up in such work. I was not, sir. I used to be a merchant years ago burned out no insurance broke went to work as a porter nothing else to do the old story mr clark i am not the first one we knew oakes was seeking some information so we remained quiet sad enough said he perhaps times will improve for you the porter riley by name smiled and looked at oakes with that expression of hopeful despair we have all seen we who rob the world in our continuous efforts who could have shot mr mark asked our companion did he have many enemies no mr clark i know of none but and the man paused well what said the detective in an offhand way well it's peculiar said riley very peculiar to me two or three years ago sir smith the leading man of the town was shot at the very same spot in the road what i cried but a look from oakes silenced me indeed quite a coincidence said he who shot him nobody knows i was just going to work when it happened early in the day then just about six o'clock sir 
and he was shot right through the chest volunteered our informant well i hope to catch this fellow said oakes you have a good police chief here yes sir very he came up here first for his health but he was once chief in some large city ah then he will get the murderer surely mona is fortunate in having such a man riley looked pleased at the compliment and it seemed as though oakes had won another follower before we reached the hotel we saw that the town was now wide awake there were groups of men talking excitedly before nearly every business place the bank the dry goods stores drug stores and newspaper offices it was about their opening hour and rumor had traveled fast on the main street oakes left us with a word of caution be careful what you say there may be a connection between this affair and the mansion mystery but we know nothing of either the inquest may tell us something meantime you two find out what you can by mingling with the crowd learn all about riley and anything you can pick up of the smith murder he mentioned i am going to see the chief of police and if possible telephone to my office in new york moore and i walked around in the fast increased crowd and talked with those who were returning from the scene of the murder the people were settling down into a dull sullen silence as people will after a great tragedy this was a blow to the inhabitants here the death of mr mark was the loss of a friend to many and of a leading citizen to all those engaged in business in what had been until recently a most prosperous little town foresaw the probable after-effect on confidence and the town's future the demon of vengeance was rising in many hearts the report of the coroner's jury was awaited with anxiety the murderer would probably have escaped by that time but better so if once his identity could be discovered than have another mysterious horror in the community the police headquarters a trim little brick building facing the square and the hotel was the center of real activity oakes made his appearance alone at the top of the steps coming out from the corridor that led to the chief's room as he stood at the door glancing calmly around at the crowd i thought what a magnificent man he was he stood erect and composed as though inviting scrutiny his long overcoat was not carefully closed his collar was turned partly up he had put it on like the rest of us after our return from the run and he had done it quickly his left hand was hanging down in a natural position his right was in his overcoat pocket the fedora hat was slightly tilted back he looked a half careless indifferent fellow but the keen eyes missed nothing they rested on me on moore and then on the crowd he was the embodiment of searching coolness the crowd recognized him and knew that he had seen the chief of police they reasoned as one man that something important had been done the tall city fellow had been first at the side of the victim they had seen that what did he know 
and then they thought of that run and the exhibition of physical perfection that his powers had shown and like a gentle ripple on the brook came a murmur of admiration oakes stepped down and was the centre of much questioning all the time the right hand remained in the coat pocket i knew that it held dead at command that the revolver lay well in his grasp that quintus oakes was now on guard and the field was one with which he was well acquainted soon he entered the hotel and we followed him to his room you must be at the inquest both of you dr moore you are well known as a surgeon and will view the body with the local doctors they wish you to do so they say you are known to them by reputation you will be required as an expert witness i have made my identity known to the chief of police indeed i said then everybody will know it no they won't said oakes the chief knows me by name i know all about him he is a good shrewd man i have explained our mission here and have disclaimed any desire to have anything to do with this mystery unless unless it touches the other the chief hallen wants my evidence and he knows enough to see that we can all stand in together he may help in the mansion affair later said moore yes said oakes i thought i might need him anyway this murder is for the police at present i succeeded in getting long-distance telephone and found that martin did not come here at all he returned to the office after seeing dr moore off on the train good we exclaimed and what did you learn from the dying man he spoke to you we thought i learned something that has great possibilities said oakes wait for the inquest what have you learned i answer for us both riley is well known here and reliable we could learn nothing of the smith murder save that it had occurred about as this one and was never solved the old chief of police resigned on account of public opinion of his incompetency the new chief hallen came in here a year or so ago well said oakes so far so good but it looks to me as though there is some connection between these murders i do not envy the local officials a bit the people won't stand much more mystery up here suspicions of one's neighbors is a terrible thing in a small community by the way when i give my evidence watch me but little watch the audience more the criminal might be there yes said moore turning to me they often seek the court under such circumstances don't they i believe it has been recorded i rejoined then seeing oakes move away i asked where he was going i'm going to look around for a while better be cautious you may be the next to get a bullet for the criminal probably knows that you so mark alive he may be anybody in the town i said anybody nonsense you may clear the women and children at least 
that wound was made by a heavy caliber weapon it takes a strength to handle such then he walked away the coroner impaneled the jury that afternoon it was composed of milkmen porters and farmers and some men of more substantial condition for instance the leading banker and the secretary of the young men's christian association they were all alert to the importance of their position and anxious to appear well in this drama that was opening in mona the jury viewed the body in the ante-room and the wound was examined carefully they marched into the court-room next to the apartments of the chief of police and were seated before the bench the large room was filled to its utmost with the representative men of the place to my eyes the scene was novel indeed my practice had been in the courts of the metropolis and the methods here interested me they were simple straightforward people the intensity of their faces the hush of the crowd was awesome i obtained a seat facing most of the people and dr moore was by my side the room looked on a lawn which extended to the next street and opposite to me were three windows the centre one of which was open at the open window was a young negro handsome and well built he leaned on the sill with folded arms and judging by the height of the window from the ground i knew he was standing on a box or a barrel a couple of other faces were visible outside the closed windows the crowd within was uneasy but quiet a volcano in its period of inactivity then the milkman who discovered the body related his story he had come up the hill from the station and saw the body near the top of the hill he saw the wound from his seat on the wagon for realizing what had happened he did not alight fear had seized him he knew he was perhaps watched by the assassin so he had lashed his horses and rushed for the town and aid the little boy who had ridden by his side was brave and cool in the court-room the chief of police had his arm on his shoulder in a fatherly way he corroborated the milkman's story and said he was scared even more than his uncle the driver one or two others certified to the finding of the body and spoke of the stranger mr clark who had reached the place first and of the wild run from the town then came the coroner's physician who certified to the nature of the bullet a large one undoubtedly then he said in a courteous professional way gentlemen we have by accident among us dr moore from new york who witnessed the finding of the body and who has viewed the injury dr moore is a well-known surgeon and perhaps he will favor us with an opinion only an opinion of the nature of the weapon used the coroner bowed and motioned to dr moore by my side the physician hesitated a moment then advanced before the crowd of strangers he was a surgical lecturer but this was an unusual audience dr moore 
you have seen many wounds from firearms have you not please state where dr moore answered in his pleasant voice i have seen quite a number in hospital service in the last ten years and very many in cuba during the spanish war a murmur arose the crowd hung on every word state what your opinion is please said the coroner to begin with said moore the bullet entered the breast the point of entrance is large about the size of a forty-four bullet i know it entered there because a part of the coat was carried into the wound it came out at the back under the right shoulder blade and pierced that bone tearing it partly away from its muscles in piercing the bone it also fractured it and made a large hole of exit as was to be expected explain please under some circumstances a bullet losing its speed pushes the tissues before it and makes a larger hole of exit than entrance especially if it shatters the bone what do you think of the nature of the weapon used in my opinion it was certainly no modern pistol or rifle they are of a smaller caliber and the powder used gives greater velocity unless tearing is evidenced how is that well a small bullet going at great speed makes a clean hole usually at ordinary range this was a large bullet going only at moderate speed could a rifle have done it yes if fired at long distance so that the speed was slackening what seems a probable weapon to you a revolver because a rifle of large calibre to have produced such a wound must have been discharged at considerable distance for the bullet was losing its velocity when it found the victim now to have seen the victim from afar was impossible the banks on each side of the road and the incline of the hill would prevent it that to my mind excludes a rifle the assassin could not have seen mr mark much more than one hundred and fifty feet away owing to the configuration of the ground had he been much nearer than that distance the bullet would have travelled with greater speed than it did and would probably have pierced the shoulder bone without so much crushing and pushing effect thus we see that a rifle in this case could not have been used far enough away to cause such a wound a heavy revolver discharged at good distance for such a weapon would have met the requirements however and i believe such a one was used the assassin could not have been farther off than the configuration of the ground permitted about one hundred and fifty feet and judging from the wound he was not very much nearer the crowd shifted and a deep sigh of emotion arose now dr moore you arrived in town this morning please tell us what you know about the events that transpired asked the coroner well i arrived at six o'clock a m and walked up the hill as i reached the top i noticed a man coming up behind 
a milkman came along and offered me a ride to the hotel there he is and he pointed to the fellow as we rode along we both heard a shot and i remarked upon it the man in the wagon with me said it probably was a poacher i have no doubt sir it was the murderer at work it was getting near the horror and the courtroom seemed to echo the deep breathing of the listeners then the milkman who had picked the doctor up gave his testimony he had entered the highway at the corners and had seen a man coming up the hill he drove in toward mona and picked up dr moore as related he corroborated moore in his statements and ended by saying that he went about his business after leaving moore at the hotel and knew nothing of the finding of the body by the other milkman and the boy until about eight o'clock i remember the shot it was short and dull we said it didn't seem like much of a gun when did you hear the shot about six thirty sir was the answer and gentlemen of the jury said the coroner mr mark lived until seven when he was found if that shot was the one he lived a long time i believed he might have done so however the hemorrhage was not very severe he may have lain unconscious for a while as you know the obduracy showed that the bullet entered in front and striking a reef followed that around and came out behind it followed a superficial deflected course as bullets frequently do men sometimes live a long time with such wounds more evidence of an unimportant nature was given the station master remembered the man getting off the train and following moore he knew him well he was mr mark and had lagged behind and spoken to him the body was undiscovered before because most milk wagons entered the town at the corners and no one had alighted from the seven o'clock train to climb the hill charles clark was now called and the spectators made room for oakes as he walked down and faced the audience watching the crowd i saw its excited expectancy here and there was a man pale as death nearly overcome by the strain of the evidence everyone in that room knew that the important part was at hand many expected the name of the assassin a man behind me sighed and said gosh why don't you hurry i knew that he was nearly ready to collapse oakes or as mona knew him clark crossed his hands behind him and inclined his body a little he glanced coldly around then at the clock and instinctively the audience followed the movement i noticed that the time was four and that the ticking was very heavy and noisy then i remembered oakes orders and watched the crowd the coroner went through the usual formalities and oakes began his testimony he spoke in that fluent style of his 
I reached the man ahead of the others. He was breathing. Realizing that his name was important, I asked him for it. He was conscious. He opened his eyes and looked at me. Mark is my name. Old Mona is my friend, he answered. At mention of those words, I heard a sob and then another outbreak. The audience was going to pieces. Oakes resumed. I then asked him who did this did. He seemed to be losing consciousness. I repeated the question. This time he answered in an almost inaudible voice. The man, the man with the great arms. As Oakes uttered this sentence, he did it in a strong whisper, heard clearly all over the courtroom. He paused. Moore and I noticed that one half the men inside mechanically put their hands to their arms. Curious is the effect of such scenes. Others, seeing the actions of their comrades, glanced at them harshly and suspiciously, but instantly began to smile. Just then, the fat grocer thought it was funny and laughed outright in a paroxysm of hysteria. The crowd began to titter, and then a roar, sort sharp, of pent-up emotion, a laugh of suppressed excitement, pealed forth like a thunderclap. Then all again was intensity. Oakes now continued. He did not say more, so I again asked quickly, Who did it? Speak. Speak, man. Then he answered distinctly, it was a last effort. The audience leaned forward in awed expectancy. The faces of some were hard and set, and the eyes of all were riveted on Oakes. Moore whispered to me, Watch the negro. I looked and saw him leaning forward over the window sill, his face ashen gray, one arm held onto the sill, the other hung limply into the room. Mr. Clark, what did Mr. Mark say to you then, just before he died? asked the coroner. He said, It was the fellow, the man with the blue cross on his left arm. As Oakes spoke, his voice became metallic and incisive, while his quick eyes suddenly swept the audience. There was a shuffling of feet, a turning of bodies, and a man of weak nerves cried out, The blue cross on the left arm! The negro made a lunge forward, swung both arms into the room, and cried out, Oh, God! Oh, God! then dropped on the other side of the wall. The chief of police stood up and pointed to the window. Catch that coon, he cried. The tumult which followed was a relief, but the crowd lost sight of the negro. No one had ever seen him before, and he escaped at least for the time being. The jury brought in a verdict that Mr. Mark came to his death at the hands of a party or parties unknown. As Dr. Moore and I discussed matters later, we could but agree that the identity of Quintus Oakes had apparently been well hidden in that of Charles Clark, the agent, and that our first day in Mona had been a memorable one.
End of chapter 7 Recording by Gaby Cowan